Good evening. You can be ready with Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15. And then after that, a brief reference to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 2 to introduce our study for this evening. Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore... The children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Add to that the statement in Revelation chapter 20, and in verse 2, where there is the affirmation of the binding of the devil. One thing we derive from these passages is how limited the devil now is because of the cross. But how does this work? What does that all mean? I'm not going to go into complicated, mysterious depths about all this. But I want to say something about the Hebrew reference and then introduce our study. The book of Hebrews carries throughout a strong tone of victory, overcoming, moving closer to God, resisting temptation through the new covenant, the New Testament arrangement, which depends on the grace of God that found ultimate expression in the death of Christ. If you'll look back in the context of Hebrews 2, you'll see that in verse 9, where it says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste of death for everyone. That's a statement of victory provided by God from his grace through the death of Jesus Christ that calls for our active response of faith. I want to focus on that concept of victory in the Hebrews passage for just a moment. What appeared to be Satan's defeat of Jesus, the cross, turned out to be Jesus' victory over Satan that we can participate in as we respond to Christ. Let me say that again. What appeared to be Satan's defeat of Jesus turned out to be Jesus' victory over Satan. When we think of Jesus and the cross, when we praise God for this victory that we can receive, part of this grace is our conviction of what the devil cannot do. This evening, I simply want to speak to us about that in a very simple format. What the devil cannot do. The devil cannot steal you away from God without your consent. The devil cannot steal you away from God 
without your consent. There isn't any question the devil has the mind of a thief. And he simply, he simply focuses on that attitude. The attitude we would ascribe to a thief with no integrity. The problem is the devil doesn't have immediate access into our hearts. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you activate that faith in repentance and baptism, you enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you stay there and continue to live under the authority of Christ, relying on his blood, correcting your course along the way, God keeps you safe. And one dimension of that protection and fellowship God has with his people is the devil cannot steal you away from God. In John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's a promise of Jesus Christ to those who follow him. We all believe what is poetically stated over in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, here's a part of that. Those sheep who hear the voice of Christ respond to him and follow him have this promise. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So, if you have ever worried about this, stop and just follow Jesus. As long as you do that, there is never some sort of surprise attack where all of a sudden the devil has taken you away from God against your will. The devil cannot steal you away from God without your consent. He may want to. He is not above the mentality and the motivation of a thief. But God has limited him. The devil is restrained. He's bound. He is not all-powerful. Victory was purchased at the highest price on the cross. And those who are responsive to that expression of God's grace and continue to follow the shepherd have God's protection. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Hebrews 13.5 Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The devil cannot just step in and steal you out of the family of God unless you want to leave. Number two, he cannot make you sin. He cannot make you sin. Now, if you want to sin, let's stop and consider that. If you want to sin, 
if you think about it and look for opportunities and you move closer and closer to sin, just as close as you can get, the devil can help you get there all the way. And then it can keep you there if you want to stay. But if you are dead set against sin, if the idea of sin is utterly repulsive to you, if you've made the choice to be righteous, the devil cannot make you sin. He can lead you to water, but he cannot make you drink, and we ought not to let him even lead us to the murky waters of sin. Consider this. Can you name one case in the Bible where the devil made someone sin who didn't want to? Now, you may think of demons in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and to a lesser degree in the book of Acts. Demons for a short period of time were able to cause people to do strange things. But is there a case where a good person wanted to be right with God but couldn't do anything else but sin because of a demon or some operative from the devil. I'm not aware of such a case. And I would offer the challenge as you go through your daily Bible reading, if you find a case where somebody wanted to do what's right, but they were forced by the devil against their will to participate in unrighteousness, you let me know about that passage. And then, we all know this. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The way of escape. Who provides that? God does. Temptation is common. But sin is not compelled or externally deterministic. God says, I provide a way of escape. The devil cannot make you sin. Some of you may remember the old comedian Flip Wilson. He was wrong when he said over and over, the devil made me do it. The devil cannot make you sin. The devil cannot wipe out God's word from all human access. I'm going to go to 2 Timothy 2.9. I believe you'll agree. Prominent in our world today is fear. We are a culture saturated by fear. What will happen to the country? What will happen to the home and the family? How far will churches go away from God's word into apostasy? What about health care, the economy, the climate? We are a people driven if we allow it to be so, by fear we are afraid. And the news media seems in love with instilling fear about almost everything. And it may be some of those fears have some basis. I'm going to give you one thing you will never need to fear. Don't ever be afraid that the devil will wipe out God's word from existence. 
that he will bind it, that he will remove it from human access. Don't be concerned. Don't be afraid about that. In 2 Timothy 2.9, in a context where Paul is urging Timothy to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, there is this statement of assurance. The word of God is not bound. Now, the devil can discourage you from opening this book, The devil can put distractions in the way to keep you from reading and studying this book. The devil can tempt us away from applying God's word consistently, but the devil cannot wipe out the existence of this truth. Suppose, if you will, that all Bibles are confiscated, no longer printed, and all existing copies destroyed. I don't imagine that will happen. I'm a strong believer in the connection between God's providence and God's revelation. But suppose it were to occur. What about all the published works quoting from the Bible? What about all the verses Christians have memorized? And most important, what about the Bible knowledge that we carry inside of us? That we continue to apply in our lives. It might be called the abiding word of God within us. Paul's point is, they can capture me and punish me and put me in prison, but the word of God is not bound. And likewise, in Luke 21, 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. See, there are things the devil cannot accomplish, no matter how much he might desire it. So the devil cannot give you anything good. I'm going to take us over to Luke 15 in just a moment. The devil cannot give you anything good. There are people who are convinced, I should say, deceived into thinking that the devil is the answer to their problems. If I'll just leave God and go over to the devil's side, it'll just be more comfortable. Well, not eternally. But when we put it like that, it sounds absurd. But it happens that people reach a place in life where they are restless seekers of everything that shouldn't be sought. But their seeking turns in a wrong direction quickly toward the carnal. And the devil steps into their minds and in their weakened state they follow his lead. Thinking that life will be better if we just move over to the other side. It'll be more comfortable there. We'll we'll just walk into some great adventures of sin and not be restricted. And what follows is something like what we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 this morning. Sexual promiscuity, intoxication, a life of less responsibility and more entertainment, reduced reverence for God... Less shame in offensive behavior, a selfish journey away from God (coughs) through indifference and into sin. The devil has convinced some people that's where they need to be. There's a better life 
offered down this pathway. But where does it lead? Jesus actually told a story one time very much like what I've described in Luke 15. I want to read a part of that in Luke 15, 11 through 21. Luke 15, 11 through 21. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So... He went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose. He arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So here's a man who thought it'll be better on the other side. Here's a man who thought there was a richer, fuller, more entertaining, better, amusing life if he walked away from his father. The Bible says he came to himself. He came to himself in the hog pen. One translation says he realized he had been very foolish. I'm persuaded one reason the Lord told this story and one reason Luke recorded it was so that we can see the results of wasteful, reckless living before we make such a choice. The devil promises all kinds of adventure and excitement and temporal happiness, but he cannot deliver. He cannot give us anything good. God, on the other hand, offers us everything that is eternally valuable and that offer is made through Jesus Christ and accepted and kept by the activity of faith. The devil offers to you nothing positive, nothing good, nothing you need, nothing worth walking away from God. God, through Jesus Christ, offers everything positive, everything perfectly good, everything you need, and of such value, it is worth it to get up every day and say no to the devil. 
So I'll remind us that what appeared to be Satan's defeat of Jesus on the cross turned out to be Jesus' victory over Satan. And the followers of Jesus participate in that victory. When I think of the cross, when I partake of the Lord's Supper, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when I make every effort to know and appreciate the grace of God, when I share the grace of God with others, in all of that I need to think of the devil as defeated and bound and marked as a loser. And I need to think of Christ as my way to victory and to heaven. Let's be standing while we sing.